the sequel going? Sequel sucks. Bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. I'll be back. Why won't you die? Prime, you can't die. Good reboot, dammit. Reboot complete. Thank you very much. Movies. Never say die! Welcome to Movies Never Say Die, a podcast with a singular focus, movies that are reboots, reimaginings, or sequels of other films. I'm Justin St. Ange. And I'm Matthew Grant. This is episode number seven. On this episode of Movies Never Say Die, we take a look at Avengers Endgame. But first, here's a look at official announcements, rumors, and hearsay for upcoming reboots in our opening segment, In the Pipeline. bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Pipeline. Pipeline. Okay, up first in the pipeline, Star Wars Episode Nine. We got the uh, the first teaser and and the full title. Finally, uh, the rise of Skywalker. What does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. There, it's that's all people are talking about now. It's all. Uh... That's all the internet is uh, chatting about. Did you see that there was a post recently? There was somebody from Poland that said that they got their trailer and their poster and everything. And in Polish, the title is Star Wars Episode Nine: Skywalker Resurrection. And so now oh. people are freaking out about that. <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, it just came out a couple of days ago. A woman from Poland tweeted that uh, when they got their teaser in Polish language uh, form and the... Uh, the new poster that just came out, uh, it translates, you know, directly into Polish as Skywalker Resurrection. So now that is what everybody's in an uproar about. First, it was, you know, what does this rise of Skywalker mean? Is the word Skywalker take the place of the Jedi? Was he right? The Jedi has to end, that sort of thing. But uh, now this kind of puts a whole new spin on it. <laughs> Very. I wonder if there are any other... Uh countries where the translation is, is something similar like resurrection and oh, it's if, a, it's yeah, a good point, if, yeah. if they purposely wanted it to be that or not that's very interesting they're trolling us that's right only in poland <laughs> and it's, i mean it's it's tough because i mean you look at something like that and i mean i understand a lot of the backlash to uh last jedi and I, and I understand the idea to try and sort of, I mean, some some people have gone as far as to say that they want a course correction. I mean, I personally liked Episode Eight a lot. It was certainly not a perfect film, but I really, my hope is that they don't just decide to go the route of just retconning everything and kind of erasing a lot of what Ryan Johnson did. Like, I don't agree with everything he did, but I would hate if this whole movie was just taking a left turn and and just kind of smoothing things over for the fans that were upset about it and so i don't i don't really know where it's going to go from there yeah i agree um i think i i, I texted you after i saw this trailer and i was like i think jj abrams is just coming back to say you know i laid this out for you in the force awakens and <laughs> and ryan johnson said yeah you know what uh, I, uh, that's nice but i'm, I'm gonna do this other stuff and jj came back and said I, I got to finish what I what I want what story I wanted to tell, but I guess yeah. the problem is that they don't. There's there's not like you know Marvel, which, which we're going to talk about, has Kevin Feige, which I believe is now how he, how I realize he pronounces his name. You know, 
overseeing everything so there's this continuity and in these last three episodes we're just it seems like we may not get that but uh but hopefully yeah i i I maybe i didn't dislike the the last jedi but um yeah i wouldn't want abrams to just come back and say that didn't exist sort of and so i'm finishing this off my way yeah i mean yeah totally agree um now in regards to the actual teaser itself what did you think of the you know what we saw how they set it up i mean what, what did you think of the teaser itself it's pretty good. I mean, you know, like most good teasers, it doesn't, it just gives you little glimpses of things and uh, doesn't give away too much. We sort of see, you know, obviously it opens up with Ray in the middle of a desert on, you know, I don't know if anyone recognized the planet, but I, I, I didn't, at the, I don't at this point. Um, no, me neither. And uh, a TIE fighter, which, you know, I assume is Kylo coming at her. So it looks like she's, at least at that point, maybe she's totally come into you know her powers and stuff because she seems pretty confident at that moment i mean she's running away which seems like an odd choice and then right as it's on top of her she makes that awesome looking leap and it's pretty badass maybe maybe she's about to take take a wing off the tie fighter who knows but uh we also don't know how uh how long between these films like we don't know what i mean you said you know there's a possibility she's kind of coming to her own as a jedi we don't know if it's been two weeks since episode eight ended or if it's been five years we have nobody's come out and said what kind of time jump there is and so you're you're right she could be further along in her training yeah because the first two you know are literally back to back as far as timeline um but the the voiceover from luke says we've we've given you given you everything you need to know right everything that we have we've given to you so it almost sounds like she's maybe she's done with her training she uh what what was it like she he wanted to teach her like you know in three levels or something like that and he didn't quite get there that far in the last movie and maybe he's well i don't know maybe somehow she has uh you know finished her training i don't know yeah i, mean, I know i know it and it's it does mirror a lot of what happened with luke and his journey in the original films that yoda never technically finished what you know, his version of the right. training was, you know, Luke felt like he was pretty far along, but, you know, when he ran off to go save his friends, Yoda specifically said that he's not ready to fight Darth Vader. He's not, his training's not done. And so this was kind of That's a right. similar arc for Ray that Luke was very specific about the way he wanted to try. I mean, it took her forever to convince him as it is. And then when he finally said yes, like you said, he said he wanted to do it in a specific way. And I don't think he finished uh, getting, getting to what he wanted to. I mean, now, whether or not, the rumored force ghost Luke finishes that or if everything or if his entire appearance in the film is flashbacks I mean, we don't know that any of that yet and so it's still kind of fresh and exciting yeah I mean we get that last line um voiceover where he says uh was that no, no one's ever really gone so what does that mean well yeah but then right from there you go uh directly into the Palpatine laugh. And so does that mean yeah. Luke? Does that mean Palpatine? Is that a nod to Carrie Fisher? I mean, if there's a million different... Everyone's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a greatest hits. It's going to end a very happy note. They all have a big party at the end. Vader's back. It's all good. You know what? Don't worry about the past. We're all good. <laughs> Emperor. We're all set. Did we kill all those people? Eh. <laughs> Let bygones be bygones. <laughs> so, what did you what did you think about the uh, the Palpatine reveal at the end? I mean, obviously, we don't know 
Well, it's very exciting because there was so much uh, rumor about how uh, Snoke was supposedly Palpatine and all that stuff. So, uh, amongst other things, but yeah, uh, and I I recognized it as Palpatine, but part of me was like, is that um, Mark Hamill? Because he he has a pretty pretty good, and we'll talk about this also voiceover yeah. as the Joker, and he does obviously. A villain laugh of his own I, I, for a second i was like is that what are we hearing here but yeah i mean i'm pretty sure it's palpatine <laughs> yeah i think when uh they premiered the trailer at the star wars uh celebration i think that ian mcdermott came out and kind of very dramatically <laughs> ordered the projectionist to play the, the trailer again which was kind of well received <laughs> by the audience and i think he did confirm that he did not record something new like he didn't record a new laugh but that they used another laugh from an earlier film, whether it's in the prequels or the uh, original three, I think he did confirm it was him. But I mean, but again, like you said, I think the teaser does exactly what a teaser should do. It gives you a few scenes in the movie. Obviously this also served as a title reveal and people seem to be generally excited about the title. I like it. I think it's nice to cut, you know, being the last episode of the star, uh, the Skywalker saga, it's nice to have the name and the title. And I think it's, you know, it could mean a lot. It seems hopeful, and so it's it's a nice way to go. I thought that was good. And the the shot of uh, Lando piloting oh. the Millennium Falcon. Oh, so Lando! Good. Two seconds is like the best moment of the trailer. Just laughing, Amazing. I loved it. Beautiful. Did you see the uh, the Solo movie? I didn't. I think uh, you said you had. I think it's on my list of stuff to watch at some point, so you and I could talk about it. But I think did you watch it on the plane? I think you said or. I watched it on a plane at one point, and and I was so like when it opens, whenever that was, last year, um, I was so not into it. I just wasn't either wasn't ready for a new Star Wars you know film or what, and it just didn't didn't strike me as as something interesting. Um, because I think at the time we both said we would rather see like a whole Lando movie than an old Solo movie, but a, a young Solo movie. But um. I watched it on the plane, and uh, I was I was pretty surprised. Maybe that's because I was so far removed from my original feelings on it. But uh, I actually enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I same. You know, I felt the same way as you. I had no interest. I mean, part of the appeal of Han Solo to me was that you didn't know a ton about his past. The only thing you really knew about was the exposition you got from the characters in the original three films. I mean. And you kind of learned all you needed to really learn about him through those three movies and even through Force Awakens. Um, and I just, I didn't, I had no interest in it. And I still, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad they pumped the brakes on, you know, ran, I mean, because I thought Rogue One was fantastic. I thought it was, oh, excellent. you know, one of my favorite Star Wars movies. And I thought that if they had kind of gone that route, I mean, I don't know if part of Solo's, part of the, the fact that there's no appeal to me was just because of how bumpy it was. Like, you know, when you fire your directors that far into production and when, uh, you know, I mean, obviously Ron Howard's a phenomenal director, very capable, but I just, I just didn't, I don't know, but I just, I didn't want to know more about, so like, I don't, God, I I hope it stopped a Boba Fett movie. I don't need a Boba Fett movie for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I I would maybe watch a Obi-Wan Kenobi prequel with Ewan McGregor that I might watch, but. You know, but again, I I also agree with you. I think there was total burnout from. You know, I think Star Wars thought they could do what Marvel did and have like a you know movie or two a year, and I think it was too much. I think it came out, you know, way too quickly on the heels of the last one. Yeah, I feel the same way about uh, Rogue One. Whereas, 
totally different story that obviously takes place in the same universe, but they tie it in, you know, at, at the very end with, you know, the, uh, the Leia at the end. But, um, that's more of what I would have wanted, like a Lando. And then maybe we see a little solo in there and Chewie, but, you know, so it ties in, but it's, it's completely, almost completely separate within the same universe. Cause we've seen, we've seen Han for, what will it be? Five, four episodes, I guess. Because they went and killed him. That was a sad scene, man. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it was. That was. <laughs> I mean, I even knew, somebody spoiled it for me before I saw the movie, and even still seeing it, oh, I was no. like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so before we started recording, you and I talked about the fact that right after we released our last episode, a ton of great news and trailer releases happened one of which uh we did talk about briefly when they released some photos and some fan shot video um but almost i feel like almost as soon as we posted the last episode the full teaser for the joker film was released starring joaquin (laughs) phoenix i mean it's i mean it's a few i mean obviously the news is a few weeks old at this point the trailer's been out for a few weeks uh you and i both rewatched it so we could talk about it because it's been a few weeks but uh what did you think of the first actual look at Joker? I mean, I I actually think it looks great, which annoys me because I believe we talked about how we weren't quite sure that we really need any background on the Joker because I, I think even your exact words were we don't the whole point or part of the appeal of the Joker is that we we don't know where all this is coming from and yep. it's a, it's more you know scary that way. Uh, to put it one way but uh but damn it it looks like a good yeah i I don't know i mean you know it's uh, obviously joaquin is is a great actor so i mean it looks like he puts in a good performance uh it'll be interesting i'm 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 as is typical on the same page as you i'm i I was somewhat annoyed after watching it because i i was when they announced it patently against it when they released photos it looked kind of interesting um you know, you hit it right in the nose. As I said, part of his appeal is his non-history or his made-up history. And again, a total agreement with you. I watched it, and regardless of its connection to the DC universe, regardless of what I mean, we still don't even really know what it's about. Like it's it's still. I mean, it was a long teaser. It was like a two and a half minute long teaser, and it showed a ton yeah. for the movie. But I don't know what the hell that movie's about, and it looks really good. <laughs> I mean, Joaquin does a great job of not only kind of big crazy moments you know you've got a pretty solid joker laugh i mean that's always a thing people look for with heath right. ledger with uh, uh when um uh jared leto like when uh, whenever you find out about the new joker the first thing is what's the laugh sound like and the laugh he's got a couple different varieties they all sound very good and and there's but there's also a lot of subtlety like there's a lot of really subtle stuff that he does that is just off the charts creepy and weird and very effective and you know you've got the music you've got the you know the old timey uh so was it the so smile, smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great choice and then as that song's playing they kind of transition into like a creepy instrumental version of it and it's and again like i don't know what the movie's about but the imagery the scenes they used the music i mean the mood they set is i'm you know, I was when I first heard about the announcement, I was completely uninterested. I saw the photos. I thought it looked 
like it could be interesting. And now that I've seen the teaser, like I want to go opening weekend. It lo- it looks so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it looks like they're they've done a really good job. But I mean, we've we've seen you know these people that put the trailers together also are very good at their jobs. So. That's true. I did. I was very excited about Suicide Squad, and that was kind of a mess. And so yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, like uh, cautiously optimistic, starting from a didn't want to bother with it at the first place this is not too bad after one trailer yeah i'm hoping to see uh i mean i don't even know what they would offer for a full trailer it's going to be uh i know we mentioned this all the time we these don't seem like teaser trailers. they keep calling them teaser trailers and teaser only in that they don't show too much plot line i guess but you know a two and a half minute trailer like you said isn't a tease yeah, I mean, it, sh- it showcases a big difference between, you know, the Star Wars teaser and this one is that Star Wars was a, I mean, it was a real teaser. It was pretty short. It announced the title and showed you a few main scenes. Well, I mean, not main. I mean, a few, you know, scenes, fan, yeah. fan, fan service scenes, sort of. And then this one shows you two and a half minutes of it and still a great teaser. But yeah, I'm in. I'm in on the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right, moving on, we got the Lion King remake, quote-unquote live-action Disney remake, full trailer released. Uh, what, what did you, when did you, did you see it when it first came out? Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw the news that it had come out, and I'm, it's, it's hard because I think you and I talked about this last time, the debate of what actually is live-action versus animation. I mean, this is all still completely animated still cgi it's not like they took real lions and then had moving mouths like i was reading an article in entertainment weekly where the quote-unquote set visit was them putting on a pair of vr goggles and they've got an entire world like cgi world and they were able to look around and they could see like they're looking up at pride rock and there's like a little avatar of john favreau as a director he kind of is represented (laughs) i guess by this little blue blob that's kind of floating around and it's a fascinating way to make a film because you you have created this virtual world and it's still animated, but they're I mean they're you know they're calling it like a sort of live action remake. I mean it looks very cool. I think the performances are. I mean the performances that you know from what you see in the trailer, I think it sounded great. It sets the mood really well. It builds excitement for it. I mean I still think it's an entirely unnecessary movie. I can't, you know. Yeah, I, I mean I don't think it's. I mean I'll probably still see it. I think it'll be fascinating to watch. I think it'll be a gorgeous film to watch. I think it'll look great. I think John Favreau is a phenomenal director, and the voice talent they've gotten is great. But I, I don't see the need for it at all because the original still holds up. It's still the animation oh, is still solid. The music, performances, and that. Now, granted, I do I did read something that does make a very good point that you know in the original film you had like Matthew Broderick playing an african prince of a lion <laughs> and in this case there is True. a lot more you know kind of racially accurate representation based on the casting in this and so i do see you know i mean the t- the talent they got regardless of um you know, like, uh, you know, race blind casting, whatever, it, it does seem like they've gone in a direction, you know, instead of like uh, Jeremy Irons, who did a phenomenal job playing the lion. Um, Scar. Yeah, Scar, that's right. Mufasa's yeah. brother, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, so there is that element of it. So, I don't know, what what did, what did you think when, when you saw it? I mean, I think it, it really looks great. And, 
well speaking of the voice talent i believe young simba in the original was um one Jonathan of those Taylor kids Thomas, from uh, yeah. Home, Home Improvement. <laughs> right, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, now his singing voice was different. The singing voice was I can't remember the kid's name, but there was a, the, the singer, he did not do his own singing in that. No, no. That's 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 pretty common. I I think I can't think of anyone who did both the singing and the voice for any of the their Disney films. Nathan Lane did cuz Nathan Lane is awesome. Well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now he but you know what's funny though is I mean, you know, he is a Broadway vet and he does a lot of singing stuff, but Matthew Broderick who's also done musicals in Broadway, I don't think he did his own singing in The Lion King, which yeah. I thought was weird but um True, I don't know. and actually i think uh, i think just just the two of them ernie sabella sabella who played uh pumba was the same way because they were both broadway guys and so i think they did but i think you're right i think for the most part you know you have the acting voice and the singing voice and that's what you get yeah well this is you know lion king is if you force me to pick maybe my favorite disney of the original disney animated movies and uh so of the of these remakes, these uh, CG remakes, I, I I would say that this is the one that actually has most of my attention. I, I would I would gladly see this one. The Favreau has already said that it's not like a shot for shot remake, although the you know most of the stuff in the teaser is. I was going to say all the trailers. <laughs> it's pr- it's pretty spot so on. Uh, the the original was actually on TV last night. Uh, I forget what channel, um, like Freeform or something like that. Oh. maybe maybe Disney owns them or something I don't know but uh, so yeah I actually watched Endgame a second time yesterday and then when I got home The Lion King was on it was like right before the scene that Mufasa dies so it was a it was oh, a heavy have... day for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I did when I saw Endgame it was uh, the same night as Game of Thrones the la, the, la, the episode with the Battle of Winterfell and so nice. I, I I was just wrung out by the end of the day I was done I don't watch Game of Thrones audience so I don't know what he's talking about it's That's a not true. show with dragons. <laughs> it's impossible to not know what he's talking about, even if you don't watch it. Yeah, didn't you? We were talking before the show. Didn't you say that you know everything because the spoilers come so fast and furious? Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. If you don't watch it live, it's, it's got to be impossible. I just I unplug I mean? my computer and my phone for the day. <laughs> and speaking of things that were revealed almost immediately after we recorded our last episode. <laughs> our timing is amazing. Because we also we also uh, touched on the Child's Play trailer. It was that, I think, again, literally the next day after we recorded, it was... <laughs> God damn it. It was revealed that the voice for Chucky is going to be, dun-dun-dun, Mark Hamill. This is amazing. Oh, it's an awesome choice. Fantastic choice. I mean, most people know him from, you know, Star Wars and as his voiceover work for... The Joker, amongst I mean, I think amongst other things, but yeah, those two things, and then now he's gonna he's gonna voice this iconic uh, character. It's gonna be cool. It's funny because you saw all the fans. I mean, I, I I went on record last time as saying that I didn't know how they were gonna replace Brad Dourif. I think he <laughs> does such a phenomenal job. Everybody was saying the same thing, and I think technically there's still a parallel. I don't know if they're doing, I think, I'm not sure if it's going to be a TV series or another film, but the original creators of the original Child Play series are still working on Child's Play stuff, which is the weirdest thing that you also got <laughs> yeah. this reboot happening. Um, and then, of course, they announced Mark Hamill, and all I could think of just like, well, all right, that's the only one you could have gotten that really would have done it, that would have really done it justice to have him play Chucky. And not have all the fans, like all the fans were pissed off and suddenly it was Mark Hamill and they go, well, okay, I guess he can do it. I guess Mark like, Hamill yeah. can do it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm back in. 
and you had talked last time about the fact that this is going to be a lot different. It's going to kind of jettison the voodoo element of it and kind of go into an interesting place with like smart home stuff and apps right. and Wi-Fi. You know, what did you think about what they had in the trailer with all that stuff? I thought that was like, I think I mentioned, Oh, did we talk about, had they, re- had they shown his face yet? I think no, they actually no, had no, they in the trailer, no. but they, yeah. So since we, we did the last episode, they also have released some shots of, uh, of Chucky's face. So, I think last episode I mentioned that since they're doing this AI thing and we kind of see him scanning the kid's face, that it might be like an individual thing. But uh, now, yeah. now, now that they've shown the face, I think maybe that they didn't go in that direction. That's right. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, does it look that different to you? I mean, it's not like scarred up or anything, but it looks like a decent evolution of you know, like an upgraded version. I don't know. I mean, it looks. A, I mean, it looks a little sleeker. It looks a little. You know, I mean, from the, I mean, all the pictures we've seen, they're all kind of in the dark. And so you can't really get like a hundred percent look up. I mean, it seems to be kind of a, you know, I mean, the older movies, they had to do a combination of, you know, onset practical effects and like, you know, masks for, you know, like a little kid or a little person running around, whatever they, you know, whatever they had uh, for various scenes. And so in this, I mean, I don't know how much CGI they're going to do with it, but it seems like a, it's kind of more CGI ready looking. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I mean the trailer itself. I mean it looks, you know, for a horror movie, it looks kind of like a standard horror movie trailer. I mean it shows enough violence and enough kind of weird, intense scenes. You've got the scenes of the little kids saying that Chucky's doing stuff and people not believing him. And so I mean it seems kind of standard. Um, you know, I'm interested in seeing it. I'm not like you know outside of Mark Hamill doing the voice. I mean you only heard the one line at the end of the trailer, giving you a taste of it. It sounds pretty similar to the old. Uh, Brad Dura voice, but, um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm going to see it. It looks interesting, but I, I nothing that I thought from this trailer that was really truly mind blowing. I don't know about you. No, no, and maybe it's just me. The, uh, I guess it's been a long time since we've seen Chucky, not kind of scarred and fucked up in the face. Maybe seeing seeing, seeing a new Chucky just to- <laughs> that's why it totally looks different. Well, you know, I guess it's a good point. The last few films he's been <laughs> fucked up in the face. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I'm I'm gonna take that and uh, I'm gonna run with that. I'm gonna use that in my everyday life. I like that. <laughs> You're welcome. Speaking of uh, Mark Hamill and Joker, I just I learned something the other day. So you know, um, about the Batman universe and uh, Arkham Asylum and stuff like that. Yep. Take a look at Mark Hamill's name. A R K. H A M. I never. Did you just notice that, or did you read that somewhere? No, I saw it somewhere. Maybe he even tweeted something and, and you know, capitalized it to. to, to for, I, I actually haven't looked into whether that was just a totally ridiculous coincidence, or it can't be That's right. I believe crazy. Arkham. Crazy. No, Arkham has been around for been years. Forever. Yeah, but is, yeah, isn't that nuts? Oh, that is crazy. Like he was made for that. Oh my god, that is awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay, yeah, I was like, how come I've never ever... No no one's ever pointed that out. Oh, that's so cool. What a random Very thing. cool. Yes. Another reason to love Mark Hamill. And rounding up our little uh, horror segment here, a uh, 
remake was just announced of the old Stephen King film Salem's Lot. Well, I guess Stephen King adaptation. Uh, bloody you disgusting. Wrote a book first, correct? Matt, <laughs> not the film. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so to say. All right. So Stephen King wrote the film. They made a book <laughs> based on the film. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So, <laughs> Bloody Disgusting reports that uh, James Wan is producing a remake. A uh, writer named Gary Doberman is writing it. He did the adaptation uh, most recently of It, and he also wrote the uh, horror film The Nun. Terrifying stuff. Um, nothing much to say about this. I read the book, and I liked it. Um, very good book. The movie was kind of hokey. I, I didn't find it scary or interesting at all. I <laughs> they may have done a miniseries. I think remaking so. it, but uh, and I think there was a sequel, Return to Salem's Lot, but I don't remember any of it, so I don't think it was that uh, memorable. <laughs> but just, <laughs> just a little bit of news. I don't know. Have you, had you seen the movie or read the book or no? Uh, yeah, it's been so long since either of them, so I, I'm sure I've read the book and the movie. I cannot remember. So yeah, it'll be good. I mean, I'm obviously Stephen King material, so. Excellent stuff. Uh, source material. Vampires, if you do it right. I love vampires, so... Uh, it'll be interesting. And it looks like the uh, the producing and the people behind it are all top-notch. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for that and uh, keep you posted as we learn more. I'm sure right after we post this, we'll get a trailer or something. Cause that's how <laughs> things seem to be working. I think I, I've, I've seen in the past that he... Uh, Stephen King himself considers Salem Lot, Salem's Lot one of his his favorite of his own writings. So, oh really? That's if if cool. he if he has any input in, in, in the movie, that'll be that'd be cool too. Yeah, it seems to be a nice little Stephen King renaissance between uh, it and Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. and... Very cool. All right. So lastly, we have to talk about this. We're going to call it a remake, so we can talk about this. A remake, movie, sequel, reimagining of a comic... Adap- uh, not a comic, a, a video game character. Uh, yeah. They just released Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Go. Now, <laughs> now I thought our horror film segment was over, Justin. Oh. <laughs> you were wrong. This <laughs> thing. Jesus Christ, this thing. Uh such a mess. I think I texted you. What were they thinking? Yeah, that's all you. That's exactly what you texted me. It was just a single sentence. Have you seen the Sonic trailer? What were they thinking? That's all you said. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. like, I don't know. I'm I'm literally speechless. I talk <laughs> so much. The thing I'm literally speechless. Twenty seconds of silence because neither of us can can come up with the proper description for this thing. No, I mean it's. Uh, Jim Carrey, I don't know what ha- like he seemed to have moved away from this sort of thing. I mean, like, and I like, and I like Jim, you know, Jim Carrey movies of old. I like Ace Ventura. I like Dumb and Dumber. I like all that wacky shit that he did, and you know, still does periodically. But I mean, he seemed to have moved into, you know, I mean, he's a visual artist. He's a painter. He's, uh, you know, he's got this new show on Showtime. I haven't seen, but it's kind of like you know, a more kind of dramedy sort of thing. Uh, you know, he did a lot of off-kilter stuff like Eternal Sunshine, you know, just like, you know, he, he seemed to kind of move into much more nuanced stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's like 1991 Jim Carrey again, and I don't know, and then, 
which if this movie came out then would have been made more sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I this does not seem like a 2019, 2020 film whenever it's supposed to be out. And and you know, the this is one of the first times I've ever seen that there's been such uproar over the appearance of the way Sonic the Hedgehog looks that the director of the film, Jeff Fowler, has taken to Twitter to release a statement saying they would actually change the look of Sonic before it's released. I mean, it's like uh, a, it's like months until it comes out, I and they're going to change the entire way it looks. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Like you know, not that I, I mean, I agree. He looks bizarre and and horrible, and not anything I would imagine a uh, Sonic on screen would look. Well, in a live action version of Sonic, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the weirdest thing he has human teeth. It's very yes. strange. There's human it's teeth strange. in his mouth. Human teeth, like his, like his shape, like you know, he looks like a tiny human with a Sonic head. <laughs> you know, right? Because <laughs> he the totally cartoon, does. he's got like kind of like a, a small body and very long skinny legs, and in the trailer, he's got like these, like it's, sprinters legs or something. It's very creepy. It's, it's very weird bizarre. to look plus, at. Plus the teeth. Plus something else I noticed, like. Like his his mouth uh, area fur and his chest are like different shades, and I think they're just all white. Everything he's white and blue, right? I In think the that's it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're and right. And they're like different shades, and that threw me off. But I will say that at this point, he's going to bring all his animators in and and do all his extra work just because you know a few people are are butthurt on online about how he, he looks horrible, but. I hope he pays these people extra for all the overtime work they're going to be doing before releasing the movie. And plus, I, I mean, I, th- I think it sets kind of a weird precedent for the fact that, you know, sometimes a small vocal minority should not have a say in how your movie looks and how your movie is plotted. Like, I, I don't, I can't, you know, I understand yeah. there's focus groups. I understand that there's, you know, previews they hold for audiences sometimes, but I, I don't, I don't know if it sets a great precedent where somebody's like, you know, because what happens in Star Wars, someone's like, oh, well, uh, we don't like how that starship looks. We don't like how Ray's hair looks. We don't like, you know, some other bullshit. Are they going to do reshoots with a new hairstyle or put in a new starship? Like, it's, I don't know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, I, I appreciate the idea that they're listening to their fan base, but I don't know, I think it sets a weird precedent. I'm I'm interested to see how that shakes out going forward with other films and the power that nerds suddenly have to have them put that much work into and money money (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean just at this point just just own the horribleness and move on (laughs) let let us bitch about it after the fact you know and it's fine that's you're gonna have to deal with that anyway (laughs) i mean this you know it's not the same exact situation but i mean look at the work they had to do with uh you know the Henry Cavill mustache situation and and Superman. Oh, yeah. I mean that's because that's big. That becomes what everyone talks about. Like if they hadn't made it such a big deal, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Like you know if if they had just you know if they had just let the movie come out, we could have complained about how awful it looks. You know the character or whatever. But now you're gonna have the added dimension of well, did they fix it well enough? Did they you know? And so it's I I, I don't foresee good things for this movie when it's released at all. I think it's a loss at this point. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's just one of the things that's wrong with it. The gangsters paradise playing. It, it, oh, what what, a what does that mean? Song. What a random choice. What does it mean, Matt? What does any of it mean? And then it uh, really just boils down to your text. What were they thinking? Yeah, all they got right was there were rings in it, and it made the right sound. When I did he hear got the, the noise. Rings. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. and I was like, "Yay!" But that's 
yeah, everything else is That's pretty it. bad. Thanos did exactly what he said he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. Whatever it takes. And that brings us to our main event today. We've been waiting for for a year. Avengers Endgame. Um, and there's there's such a huge movie, so much that, that we could even get to. I don't know if we'll ever be able to do it justice, but uh, all right. What did what did you think? I thought it was amazing. I think. Uh someone asked me online what I thought of it and I don't want to give out any spoilers. And so I think what I said at the time was that it was, it was overwhelming. It was a perfect end to the infinity saga, infinity Warsaw, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I mean, it's, it, it's not a perfect film, uh, but I thought in general, I, I, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it did not feel like a three-hour movie it breezed by for me i don't know you've seen it twice oh yeah absolutely what about you what what did you think it's 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 incredible uh i mean your description is is pretty perfect it's quite overwhelming and um it's just like and i guess we'll start by you know talking about it on you know as its own individual film on its own here but um uh, it's great it's it's i think this one and infinity war both you know not perfect in their own ways but just so epic like like truly epic and amazing and the uh the directors the russo brothers have just done something like pretty much unprecedented in in movie history they've taken all these stories and characters and were able to meld them all together in essentially a two-part, you know, six-hour, almost five-and-a-half-hour movie that I could probably sit through no problem. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I think that, you know, if, if you're looking at kind of looking at the film on its own, I mean, I think that as as an individual film, I think that regardless of the fact that it was a continuation of this, uh, not only a continuation of Avengers Infinity War, but the culmination of 21 other, or leading into 22 other films, uh, you know, it it had a real, just a solid beginning, middle, and end. It succeeded in kind of reintroducing characters five years later. It, you know, had this, you know, incredible emotional impact, which we can talk about a little bit later on. I mean, there's it, it as its own film. I mean, I never once looked. Well, I no, I don't, I think the only time I ever looked at my watch was when my wife asked me to look at my watch, trying to figure out a place to take a pee break. But again, we can talk about that <laughs> a little bit later on as well. 
I'm I'm very interested. I, I saw uh, the face your Facebook post, or maybe it was it was your wife's. Um, I'm I'm curious to know the point. Uh, but yeah, okay, we can we can we'll get back to that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was just you know, it's almost difficult to describe how 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 awesome and amazing it is, and how how it made me feel while watching it. Also, for a second time, like almost no detraction at all, like almost more so because i'm looking for different things and then different parts of it hit me at uh at different times um also i saw this for the second time yesterday um the second weekend by the way this is perfect timing because the rooster brothers said what on monday all the don't spoil That's it. spoilers the, That's totally off. taken off the <laughs> did anything spoil actually away the, that's a good uh, question actually did anything get spoiled for you prior to going into seeing it the first time or no uh no nothing nothing spoilery like um you know someone who had seen it you know on, only the stuff that you could quote unquote p- people call it spoilers when they release you know posters and artwork oh yeah yeah, person, no. yeah but not true spoilers no and well, i mean it's basically marvel is the only thing going that makes me watch stuff opening weekend so yeah and i and i haven't actually seen i saw this film opening weekend i haven't seen even marvel movies i haven't had the time or availability or um just i mean just the interest in seeing films opening weekend i haven't i mean it's it's actually gotten better because the like the idea of being able to reserve seats in 2019 i feel is a lot easier seeing a film opening weekend you're not fighting for seats you're not trying to get your group to sit together it's a lot easier just to buy tickets and you know but i mean i just i just don't like going to see it with a huge crowd i haven't seen an opening weekend movie in years and this one i mean the the marketing campaign worked perfectly i was terrified of being spoiled on something and and i'm not like i'm not like the people you mentioned were like i mean you know when they release trailers i feel like that's something they want me to see yeah and so it's and you know they did a pretty good job also of saying hey these trailers are called the footage is mostly from the first 15 minutes of movie, and they were right like in a three-hour movie they somehow managed to advertise this film using essentially the first 15 to 20 minutes the couple things kind of sprinkled throughout and so the only like i just i stayed off facebook i stayed off the internet for the first few days when it got released the only thing that came close to a spoiler was when i saw a headline that said who was the kid in the final scene of the movie okay interesting and that was it i mean and you know and it turned out to be that kid from iron man 3 that was kind of a non like a weird non i mean at least as far as you know a non-issue but um yeah i didn't know uh who that was in that last scene either when i was watching it but yeah i mean otherwise i didn't you know friends did a very good job of not going on about specific stuff from the film i mean people would say they saw it and they'd say it was great or whatever and you know i got to go into it fresh without having anything spoiled i mean there was there's a ton that we could talk about that would have I mean, even even as far people said that like Fat Thor, if they'd known about Fat Thor, it would have ruined <laughs> the reveal of that. And so it's you know I, I'm really happy I went and saw it this first weekend without having anything spoiled for me. Yeah, that it's some it's pretty amazing. It goes to show you how the kind of audience that they've kind of cultivated over uh, over these 22 movies, and it's it's a it's an interesting community. Like the the, the directors said don't spoil this movie and you know who who cares right but literally they did a really good job i mean i i didn't totally stay off you know online or whatever i I muted some stuff on twitter but other than that i 
I truly went in unspoiled and it, it's it's pretty amazing. I, I saw this. It's too funny and perfect to be actually true, but I saw this uh, story about supposedly some guy was spoiled for Infinity War by oh, some ra- random person like, online, yep. and he spent like the whole year pretending to be his friend and all this stuff, and then <laughs> made sure to go watch Endgame the first weekend. Somehow, which this this is the part that doesn't um, take pictures during the movie, like all these important parts of the movie, and then before the other guy went to watch Endgame, just bombed him with all the spoilers. It's I did hear about that. Yep. No way, it's true. <laughs> I even, I mean, even if it's even if it's not true, it's one of those things where you watch. I mean, sometimes you see these videos online that are too funny to be true, or they look like they're setups. And they're still enjoyable, and and I'll you know even when I post them, I always post it with the caveat, like even if this is not true, it's just the creative nature of what they came up with is still too funny to ignore and so yeah i mean it's remarkably messed up <laughs> this is a true story but you know that's like I, I mean i read a story where they beat up some guy i can't remember what country it was supposedly it's a bunch of people beat him up because he just left the movie and started shouting out endgame spoilers and a bunch of people kicked his ass and you know there's just pictures of him sitting with the cops because you know and again like people really took it seriously like the directors yeah. created this whole marketing campaign and I, and I think it's fascinating that for the most part people really respected the idea of not split and that became part of it that became part of the the viewing experience of it was to have it not be spoiled and you know, I just kind of accept the fact that, you know, with the way my scheduling works, I'm going to have stuff spoiled for me. But it really, that really motivated me to see it that first weekend. It was just like, I think maybe they're right. Maybe I, it'll, and I'm, I'm really happy. Like there were so many, you know, little moments in the film that even though they seemed kind of silly, I mean, you know, you've got the, you know, the Captain America, you know, America's ass, that whole thing. Like, it's just a little joke. But like, even <laughs> once you start, ass. America's ass. I mean, you start seeing memes about it and it's funny, but it's like, I'm kind of glad that that all hit me the way that the Russos wanted it to, you know, hit to help with the, the flow of the film moving kind of from, you know, one thing to another. It was, I'm, I'm really happy I didn't get spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> now you, now you mentioned earlier too, that, you know, this is, this is kind of an unprecedented thing. I mean, even the first Avengers film, it was unprecedented. The fact that we discovered, I mean, right at the end of Iron Man, that they were working towards, putting together the Avengers you know Nick Fury shows up at the end and he said he asks about the Avengers initiative and suddenly like it's a massive game changer for films in general no other film series or no other you know whether it's a you know but I mean you got James Bond has a ton of movies Harry Potter like all these movies that are like five or more movies I mean Nightmare on Elm Street Star Trek nobody has done what they've managed to do in this series of films which is start with Iron Man and have a bunch of standalone films that on their own seem to be practically untouchable i mean even the worst ones that people agree are kind of the worst i mean are still better than most of the films out there and then to have them blend together with the first avengers film and then uh ultron and then and feel like you know what did what did you think about how this film incorporated so many characters and such a massive plot and and this one even goes back and revisits earlier films because they finally admitted you know what everyone was theorizing all along that they were going to use time travel you know what what did you think about how everything came together being this massive culmination of so many different moving parts and characters and creative forces and stuff 
I I really don't think they could have done it any better. Like, like truly, like you said, since since Iron Man, and so you know, in the production process for Iron Man, over a decade, they've been essentially putting this thing together as you know they came out and said that it's called the infinity saga like you've been saying and so to culminate it although i did see something that maybe they said that spider-man the far from home is actually going to be the end of i don't know i I think i might have seen that but uh i can't imagine how that would culminate the infinity saga but i guess we'll find out but to me at least right now uh with endgame um yeah, just perfectly, and they they go and revisit with time travel, and, what, and really one of the few movies that obviously it's impossible for it to make sense, right? Time travel—it's it, just—it's not going to be all the nerds, and I'm sure we'll hear from Neil deGrasse Tyson about something. Because <laughs> um, he's the nerds shit and on Neil all this deGrasse stuff. Tyson. Yeah, I like Neil deGrasse Tyson, but he can be a buzzkill. <laughs> It's a movie, you know, Neil. They could never. Uh, that doesn't. That never would happen. Shut up. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I think he's fantastic. I think he's very smart. I think he's well spoken. I think he's. Uh, you know, I, I think he, it's he's done a great job of. Uh, kind of. You know, ingratiating himself with the nerd community in a way that you know he's like this pop culture icon now. But I think he is, and you put it best. He's a massive buzzkill sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, specifically for TV and movies when it comes to science. Like, yeah, we get it. You're smarter than us and these directors and whatever, but shut up. And again, like, I, and I understand the people that complain about things like they, you know, they rightfully have complaints when you're breaking your own rules that you set up. Like, if you're, if you create a series of rules, no matter how ridiculous, you know, I think you should follow them for it to make sense. And so there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief, but I mean... You know, the the biggest qualms that people seem to have about plot holes and about time travel issues seem to be that Endgame is not following its own rules. And I disagree. I, th- I mean, you know, you there's a lot of stuff that people have cited, especially in, in you know, Cap's ending, which we could get into a little bit more detail around. But, like, you know, saying that, like, well, now did he not even join the Avengers? And, you know, the they not only addressed that, you know, a lot of that in the film when they were talking about, you know, well, how does time travel work? It doesn't work this way. It works this way. Back to the future is bullshit, like all this stuff. <laughs> and even the writers have come out in interviews and said, you know, there's like this kind of parallel alternate universe kind of timelines branching off and stuff. And so it's, uh, I mean, I, I personally think that they did a fine job of working within the rules they set for themselves in regards to, time travel and and things like that yeah i mean they even they even you know expressly admit that you know time travel is you know when when scott lang and man is trying to you know talk tony into helping them with this time time heist you know tony is obviously you know you gotta be you're telling me that your whole (laughs) your whole plan is based on time travel from back to the future and they, they keep you know referencing back to the future and uh, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So that's the same here. Kick. Yeah, both of us uh, a kick for me. <laughs> even though they're kind of bashing it a little bit, but um, plus all the other you know time movies, Bill and Ted, also one of our favorite movies, and uh, this really great. And like you said, they and Scott even says it. As long as you 
follow your own rules. Like he's, he, you know, he says the rules of time travel, but I think overall he's talking about, you know, the rules in their universe for time, time travel, which Tony figured out in, you know, like a night and a half, which is good. But he is a genius. Well, I mean, he is a genius, but I also did read somewhere that we don't, again, know how much time has passed by when they first, True. you know, because it looks like, I mean, it looks like he solves it in a night. But, I mean, there's a key line there where he says, okay, let's try one more for the night, indicating that at least, at the very least, he's been, he's gone through several different iterations of this problem solving that You're night. Right. But then, again, there was a... I'm not sure if it was with the writers or somebody that, you know, just online that figured out the fact that he could have been working on this for several weeks. We don't know how much time has elapsed. Now, granted, also, like you said, though, Tony Stark, genius, maybe he figured it out. I don't know. Yep. Or it's entirely possible that over the years, the, you know, the five year time jump that we have in the movie, um, that maybe he's actually kind of been tinkering around with that. I mean, you know, he's Tony Stark. He's got a thousand things going on in his head. Maybe he's come across that that idea before, you know, on the off chance that uh, something would come up. But who, who knows? That's a good point. I mean, even when Scott first brings it up, he seems kind of dismissive of it. But he's dismissive in a way like, you know, of course, time to, well, of course I've thought about that. We've all thought about that. Yeah, Duh. I've, yeah so. I've been over that in my mind before. So, yeah. And so there's, I think there's a lot of things that take place, you know, off screen that you just kind of have to accept for, you know, giant movies like this to even work. So, I mean, I think a lot of people were worried that Captain Marvel would just, you know, show up and save Tony, which he does. Uh, I'm sorry, she does at the beginning. But did you watch Captain Marvel? Actually? I did. Yeah, I did see okay. Captain Marvel. Yeah. So the end uh, after credit scene you know she shows up and asks where's nick fury so we actually don't know we know that there's a what is it 20 21 someday time period between the snap and they're kind of figuring out what to do so they haven't just met her they met her at the end screen uh, at the end credits of captain marvel and then you know, she's still new, the new girl, of course. We're, we're all about that superhero life, like uh, Rudy says. But, uh, and she also has a good line about, you know, where have you been? Well, there are a lot of other planets and they don't have you guys. That was, like, I think that, that was, was a great perfect, line. that was a perfect line for just, you know, because so many people have said that, well, why hasn't she been helping them out for 30 years or, you know, whatever the elapsed time is between uh, when Captain Marvel takes place and then when uh, Avengers yeah. takes place. And I, that was that was literally, it was one line, perfect and concise to to solve that issue. I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think there was some fear after she showed up as this kind of massively powerful brand new character. I think everyone's fear was that she was just going to come in and like fix everything when, you know... I thought it was cool the way they utilized her. You know, she managed to save Tony. Obviously, these transmissions have been getting through or something. You know, they figured out that he was still around somehow, whether it's the transmissions he was sending to Pepper, whether it was some other kind of homing beacon they had. So whatever it was, they sent her out to go get him. And, you know, then at the end, she comes back. But again, she she didn't just come back and just magically wipe out the entire army. You know, she came back and she just knocked the ship down. She helped Peter with that. That was a great moment between her and Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, 
hi, I'm Peter Parker. Hey, Peter Parker, you got something from like it was just the interact. The once again, somehow Marvel manages to make what could be just an absolute mess of characters interact so smoothly and so well together. It's just you know, I th- I think Captain Marvel was I think they utilized her really well in it. I think so, and um, I mean obviously this was always going to focus on the the core the original six avengers so they couldn't you know they actually were able to do more with the other characters in infinity war and technically there were more characters in infinity war because they only got snapped at the end so yeah we're we're dealing with you know a smaller group in this one and then and then now they have to add captain marvel but uh, and and they filmed this before they filmed captain marvel which is that's right amazing so obviously they couldn't make her too big of a deal because they wouldn't know how uh how she would be uh, you know how the, her solo movie would be perceived that would just think, be smart well and i think the same problem happened in infinity war with black panther is that they had i don't think they shot black panther before infinity war but it hadn't been released yet and so i don't think they had right. any kind of indication of, I mean, just how huge Black Panther was going to be and how popular it was going to be. Because then he showed up in Infinity War for like five minutes and people were like, wait a minute, what? How could he not be a bigger part of the movie? And they had no idea, you know. And so I think, you know, from a business point of view, from a creative point of view, that, you know, I mean, the battle still took place in Wakanda at the yep. end of that first movie. And so even though it was a small chunk of the overall film, it was still an important element of Infinity War. And I think the same thing holds true here. Like, she was only in the movie for. I don't know, ten, six minutes, ten minutes, whatever it was. I mean, you know, you, I've seen these graphs online where it shows the amount yeah, of time yeah. everyone was in the movie, but, um, you know, but the but the scenes that she was in worked well within the framework of the larger film, and it also, you know, she was still able to have this massive impact, both character wise and plot wise. Where, and again, though, it still wasn't like this corny you know, hand of God moment where she just comes in and she just wipes the entire army out and she's like, oh, you know, I kicked everybody's ass. Like, you know, she's she couldn't do it by herself. And so it's, I thought they did a great job with her. Totally. The only thing I would say um, with her is it's not performance-wise or anything. I felt her hair, her new hair, her shorter hair. Like I've seen some of the comic book uh, versions of uh, this Captain Marvel with the short hair and the... Uh, I feel like it doesn't it doesn't quite look as good as the the comic book versions. I don't know, just just a little thing that struck me. Oh, so yeah, that... you, you're more you're more connected uh, in the world of comic books than I am. I had actually never seen it outside of you know some, you know, when the character first got announced having her own movie. I I hadn't actually seen pictures of her, otherwise. Yeah, and they, and they have a little, small little quip there with uh, Rocket saying, you know, where have you been? What are you gonna do? Get another haircut? But, uh, <laughs> Uh, and that speaks to the the humor of the film, which um, and I know some people that don't really like the humor in these Marvel films. They think it's it's too much. I, I think there are a couple of them that perhaps that's true with, but overall, and I think it's uh, it's the case with Endgame and uh, Infinity War that that it, it works pretty well. Like they they balance it very well because you can't really get into these really horrible. Sp- things that happen without coming down from you know a high at some point you know it 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 makes it much of a bigger impact when there's some humor involved 
Yeah, I think you're right, and I think it also. Well, I think it also makes the heavier moments more effective too, because I think that I mean humor is how so many people deal with things and how people react. I mean, even in stressful situations, you know, whether you know whether it's like a real life situation, whether you're watching a horror movie, you know, you've got you've got to have some kind of release. If you're, you know, I agree with you that if the if the tension level, if the action, if something is just always at a hundred without any kind of real release and the humor provides that release in some cases i mean like even in ant-man where that movie there's just i mean primarily there's just it's such a funny movie you know you've it's they still use it as a way to kind of break up these massive action set pieces and i think they do and i i I haven't seen thor ragnarok yet that seems to be the one that people that's the one i was referencing (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's. There seems to be mixed reviews as to saying that one went too far in that direction. Did you feel that way about Ragnarok? Or yeah, if 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 there was a Marvel movie for me that that went too far in one direction, um, it would be that one. Not that it's a bad movie. It's just that uh, I I think it went too far because it's to me like Thor and Hulk are two characters that don't never struck me as funny you know you know what i mean so they have yeah, both yeah, of yeah. them in the movie and not that there can't be you know obviously comics there's comic relief for every character but um but i think you're i mean i think that you know again it, it looks back at consistency i think you're right that you know if if you're not careful you know like they had that short film with like thor and the roommate and like that's you know funny for like a five minute movie but I don't. I think you're right that you've got to be careful not to suddenly, you know, suddenly he's just hilarious and it's just he's goofy and you know. I mean, even, you know, even when you look at, you know, quote unquote Fat Thor from this movie, I mean, that's funny to look at and like his way of behaving is funny and he's drinking beer and he's yelling at kids about Fortnite. But at the same time, that's <laughs> ca- that's couched in like his very real devastation over all of these deaths and his failure to defeat Thanos. Like, you know, people are talking about the fact that, you know, he's doing this as a way to deal with like PTSD and things like that. And so there's, there is humor in it, but that's, that's more nuanced. And it's kind of the reason behind that is, is much more interesting than just making him goofy. Whereas the, the, the moments that people tend to talk about in something like Ragnarok don't seem to have that that going for it necessarily i mean like i said i haven't seen that one and so you might be able to speak more to you know the way that that worked versus how it worked in endgame or, or didn't work in either or yeah I, to, to me worked less in ragnarok and um worked pretty spectacularly in endgame and, and besides the you know the humor of it they use you know the fact that Thor is going through this and fat Thor and all the, all the people tweeting and saying that now finally guys can say that they look like Thor. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you know um, what? I'm going to get on board. I look yeah. like Thor. <laughs> we, we all look like Thor now. We, we are all Thor. We are Thor. Um, but as far as plot wise, it goes a long way to, 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 you know, show that he, you know, Thor is actually one of the most powerful Avengers. So, in his current state physically and mentally, even though he can still, you know, put up a fight that he's, he's not going to be the one that just can overpower Thanos, you know, now that he has Stormbreaker and everything like that. Cause he almost killed him in the first movie, uh, in the first movie in the infinity war. 
if he had just gone for the head. Um, <laughs> and then in the first 20 minutes of Endgame, he actually does kill that. <laughs> goes for the head. He goes, he takes his head off. Um, well, that and that's the thing about this, too, is that I, I was fascinated by the way, like the format of this film. I mean, it's, you know, they, they had talked briefly about the fact that they almost put the snap in this movie. Yeah. Which I think would have been such a weird way to end the last one and a weird way to start this. Like, I think the emotional toll that it took at the end of the last one works so much better. And also the fact that, you know, I mean, this movie just starts right off. I mean, like, you know, you've got, you know, the scene with Hawkeye and his family just starting you right off. And, and you know what's going to happen. Like, as soon as that first scene opened up, I mean, like, I was already welling up with tears. Like, I saw that and I was just like, oh, <laughs> they're going to kill his whole family. Nobody got this little kids, everything. It was just like, they're going to kill everybody. Not a single family member is going to make it out of this alive. I know it. And then, like, and then they moved into it. And within the first, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes, they were, they found Thanos. And they, like, went up and, like, there was just these huge action set people. Like, there was no buildup. It felt like you were starting off in the middle of this massive six-hour movie, not at the beginning of another one. Like, and they went, you know, they had this big moment. You know, he destroyed the stones. They cut his head off. It's this big, intense thing. And I looked over at my wife and I'm like, there's, I mean, there's still two and a half hours yeah. left of this movie. And even right. even once they started going and doing the time travel and everything, again, like it's like an hour and a half into it, and they're going back in time, and they're reliving moments from earlier films. And again, I'm still thinking, I'm like, you've still got like an entire length of most, you've still got 90 left. minutes left of this movie. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I totally felt the same way. It's like they, I, I had no expectation that they were going to do that like kill Thanos literally in the first 25 minutes. I no, me neither. No. no idea. So that, that was very shocking and incredible that they went that way. Um, and it still worked though. Like it's, I didn't feel like it was out of play. Like it's, they, it's still worked to the larger arc of the movie. It made perfect sense. Oh, absolutely. And that, that way, when you go through the whole time travel thing, you don't have two Thanos running around. Got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. But we do we do uh, have a couple of uh, scenes with with two uh, present and past characters, so which we'll we'll talk about. But I mean, going back and seeing all these scenes from these previous movies, I just um, it could have failed spectacularly. It, it, you know, I mean, and yeah, you could it could have been total, and I, and it was total fan service but in the best possible way oh yeah i mean the way that they incorporated scenes from past movies i mean you had that iconic shot of the camera spinning around the whole group of avengers and then you know you've got reshot scenes where you know that scene in the elevator that they redid entirely that the moment when cap leaned in and whispered hail hydra was oh. nice you know just oh so i mean i get chills just Amazing. talking about it robert redford shows up i had no idea robert redford was going to be in the movie again um you had a little uh little bit of natalie portman although i did read that anytime you saw her it was unused footage from other films and she only re-recorded audio for a couple lines okay to, so i did read about the fact that she did not shoot new scenes but she recorded new audio for it, all this stuff and i told i, I again i keep talking about my wife because i'm sitting next to her watching it but like as i was watching it there was enough scenes where the shots were wide enough and like you saw the back of her that i was like i don't think she shot new scenes i think those are body doubles and i think it's repurposed footage 
And I did end up reading because that was one of the first For things her, I searched yeah. up. And so that they, I think she recorded a couple lines that specifically made sense to this film, but it was all she didn't actually shoot on it uh, for this one. Okay, because I saw I saw her at the premiere, and I had heard nothing about her involvement because everything up to now, even up till this movie's release, was that she was done. Oh, with she's this done. Because totally done. Not she just didn't a have a good done. experience or something, or they didn't, you know, they didn't know where to take her story. So I think you're she right. Showed yeah. up at the premiere, and I was like, oh my god, she did. How did how did that not get spoiled? Just the fact that she was doing anything, yeah, reshoots or recording audio. That was, that was amazing. No, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, I mean, and she was. There was a lot of finality with the fact that she was done, and so you know, again, that's why I was suspicious of what they had done with her. But you know, going back to what you said, I mean, there's there's some cases where there's you know, they like fan service or, but I, I still, I really think that I mean, like, there's so many movies or there's so many moments in this movie. You know whether it's, you know, uh, Tony Stark getting you know to interact with his father. You know back then. You know the the moments with Hank Pym. You know young Michael Douglas again showing up. Where again it's these little, you know. I mean the the scene with Cap in Peggy's office. Like I was losing my mind when I saw it behind because <laughs> I think I said to you I said or I said I've, I've said to several people because I'm a big baby about Peggy Carter and Cap and I love. <laughs> The Agent Carter series, I said, I said, I think if they incorporate Peggy Carter at all, I'm just going to weep. And I said, now, conversely, if they don't incorporate her at all, I'm going to weep and be angry. <laughs> and so when he ended up in her office and you see like her name on the door, like I was already losing my mind. I'm like elbowing my wife. I'm like, look, it's Peggy Carter's office. And then you see her and him through the glass door. And, and, and it seemed like it could be contrived. But it, I just I really think. That these moments, I mean, the moment with, you know, Loki getting the Tesseract, like just like little things. Like there's there's so many fan service moments that somehow the Russo brothers and the screenwriters just they just they managed to pull it off. And I mean, I don't know how the hell they did it because there could be. I mean, like, I, and I've seen movies like that where I'm just like, oh, this is just totally sucking off the fans and it's stupid and it's contrived. But somehow they they really make it work together where it's enjoyable and it makes sense and it's and it didn't feel hokey or contrived like it's it's I, I can't say enough good things it's just it's just so well done it's ridiculous yeah totally excellent job uh it's almost impossible to come up with enough you know praise for this i, I don't know I, I struggle to almost to comprehend how they made this <laughs> so i mean we i guess we have to talk about how they close the saga and possibly close the door on a couple of the original, at least the actors for these characters like Black Widow and the and Iron Man and Cap. What did you think? I mean, I thought the the emotional impact of all of their, uh, I guess we can say ends, not necessarily deaths, but all their ends for those three main Avengers in the movie was was handled very well. Um, what about you? No, I. I... I agree entirely, and um, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I mean, everybody was talking about Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Everybody's talking about Iron Man and Cap. You know, will they die? How will they die? Their contracts are up. Cap has said goodbye. Robert Downey Jr. has been saying for three films he's done, and so everybody's talking about yeah. that. I, I did not in a million years see the Black Widow thing coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was not even remotely on my radar. Did you have any idea that that was even 
a possibility? I mean, <laughs> uh, no, no, especially with the the you know announced solo movie, which can take place at any time, I guess. But you know, I didn't. I, I knew that there would probably be a some sort of definitive ending for Iron Man and Captain America, but Black Widow, I, I just hadn't thought of until, of course, they send her and Hawkeye to Vormir oh, yeah, to get it's, the Soul it's, Stone. It's, yeah. and then, yep. Then you're thinking, oh my God, which one's gonna die? So what's good? It's like what's gonna be sadder? It's like okay, now you know Clint's got his whole family; they they can't kill him. But then at the same time, like okay, well, can they kill Scarlet? Everybody's talking about the fact. Yeah, can they kill? It's crazy. I think they did that quite well. I mean, they in the past, you know, obviously movies and comic book movies are you know been dragged for not having enough female characters and of course female leading characters. And uh, so I've seen some. Some people think, well, now they went ahead and kill the one female, the the original female Avenger, but uh, I, I don't think there's any other way they could have done that. They would have wiped out the whole Barton clan just so so. I know, yeah, and he had, I mean, a... and it was great to see him have such a big part in this film. You know, once he, I mean, even I mean, whether it was his, you know, the the emotional gut punch of the opening scene, or, uh, you know, once he works to save the infinity gauntlet later on i mean uh but at the same time and again like i i totally get the idea of losing a female avenger like i think that you know it's exciting seeing you know an underrepresented you know the, the female element you know whether it's captain marvel or whether it's the characters from black panther like you had that one you know really big scene with all of them together and again like the same token it's like i mean that was a phenomenal scene the theater went crazy when all the women stood together like i got chills like it was overwhelming but then at the same time you look at it conversely that you know that shouldn't be such a big deal and why was it 60 seconds in a three-hour movie and then and you've still got guys complaining about the fact that that was a you know get these weirdo guys that are like oh that was a bullshit scene and that's you know that scene was garbage whatever and it's like i don't know what is wrong with them but then i also read that a lot you know <laughs> that's a whole other podcast i mean you're talking about the scene where all the female uh avengers show up at in the same scene yeah toward yeah, yeah. Towards, the, towards the end of the film and i mean i, I mean i was i mean it was just such i mean you i mean like i said the theater went crazy you know i i mean i was excited and then you know but again um i had also read that they were toying with the idea of maybe making Hawkeye sacrifice himself and that several female members of the crew were like, you know, don't take this away from her. Like, even though you're killing off a character and it sucks, you know, you shouldn't, you should also look at the idea that you don't want to take away this decision she's making, this sacrifice she's willing to make. And so it's tough. There's there's two sides of the coin. It's a complicated issue because, you know, at this point you've got what Scarlet Witch, and you've got you know several characters from Black Panther. You've got Captain Marvel, but you know, like you said, she's an OG Avenger. She showed up in Iron Man two. She's been in you know a big part of these films leading up to it. And I want to know about Budapest. God damn it! What happened in Budapest? <laughs> we'll probably get that in our in her solo movie. I mean, truthfully, to me, they should have done her solo movie quite a while ago. It it, it almost seems too late i mean i'd be interested to see it of course but you know i guess they just you know weren't willing to take that leap for a to a solo female uh lead but i think uh yeah i mean the whole kind of movie idea of the avengers you know all these different people obviously differently superpowered and you know skilled in the t- in the sense of uh hawkeye and 
and Black Widow, but that's that's her family. So she had to make that ultimate sacrifice to save her family. Her, uh, you know, Clint dying would have, you know, saved the universe, I guess, possibly, but uh, would have done nothing to... Well, I guess his family would have been brought back, but they would have come back and then he'd be dead, and so... <laughs> That's it, yeah. That, that's only slightly better, but uh, but yeah, her her making that sacrifice, and they had to fight for it, which you know makes a good scene. So yeah, and and just their and their connection to one another, like you know, they've got a lot of history. Their their uh, interactions throughout the films. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of love there, and so it's you know, yeah. I I just I didn't see it coming. I mean, I thought it was a nice surprise. It was an intense scene and very well done. And then, yeah, I mean, then and then moving over to, you know, two other, like you said, film ends. I mean, you've got the you've got the Iron Man arc, which is, you know, been rumored to been coming to a close for, you know, several films now. You know, Robert Downey Jr. talking about the fact that he's getting older and, you know, even whisperings of like recasting and how difficult it would be. You know what they did with him. I mean, just just to see him like in that scene where he's arguing with them after he they rescue him from the the ship with nebula like just i mean he's just wrung out he is just wrung out and he's defeated and he's broken and he's and you know and, and just like seeing the decisions he makes and you know just the i mean he just robert downey jr does such a good job and the writers did such a good job like building i mean it makes perfect sense like just seeing after what happened to him like ending up in a cabin in the woods with pepper and his daughter like it's just you know seeing that art and then like you know and then the idea that you know you lose all these people especially peter like looking at that photo of peter and seeing just that he's haunted by the fact that he could possibly fix us even if it means that kind of sacrifice and he even said like he he said to them specifically he's like you know if we go back he's like don't you know let's not undo what's happened in the last five years because he's got this you know wonderful life that makes him very happy he's very specific to say don't change anything that's happened in the last five years let's bring him back but you know, he doesn't want to lose his daughter, doesn't want to lose what he has with Pepper and the life that he's led over the last five years, which fulfilled a lot of what he wanted to fulfill. Absolutely. Yeah, he he was, you know, strangely one of the few that, I mean, it's weird to say came out ahead, but, you know, he, he found stuff in the, after the snap that um, that he hadn't had before and he absolutely could not totally risk losing that even if it meant saving everybody else in the universe or the half the universe. Yeah. And it was, it was really pepper that kind of, you know, the, like his interactions with her, just he's talking about the fact, you know, she said at the end, you know, right before he died, like, you know, you can rest now. Like he, it was part of the reasoning, you know, behind, you know, as he's putting his daughter to bed and he's thinking about Peter and it's just like, it's just like watching that kind of struggle, knowing that, he might possibly have the answer might possibly be able to save all these people or make this massive change to the world that's struggling to get through what happened. Like, it's just, it was, God, I mean, I mean, I, I like a broken record. Like it was so well done. It was so on the nose and it was so emotionally affecting, like just his entire arc, like watching his evolution as both Iron Man and as Tony Stark. Like, it's just, I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Killed me. I love you, three thousand. Killed me. Uh, breaks your heart. Yeah, and just the whole, you know, 
he was the one that Fury wouldn't even let be Avenger and Avenger at the beginning because he was, you know, he's Tony. He's, you know, he's solo. He does his own thing. He doesn't work. I think the line was, you know, in his report, doesn't work well with groups or with yep. other people. And he became the ultimate teammate in that sense and, you know, laying down his life. But he's shown that before in Avengers. You know, he flies up into the portal and. Oh, yeah, yep. With the, with the, um, the missile and whatnot so we've we've seen he's capable of all this and now his total arc has come through and he's there was really no other way than to have him be the ultimate savior and to be the one that you know obviously he wasn't the strongest in terms of wielding the gauntlet and using the stones but because he died but uh he was the one that had to be the one to to fix everything that way just so good Man, when Thanos snapped and nothing happened, the audience is just like, <laughs> gasp. Yep, that oh, was awesome. I have to say, one moment where, like, you could definitely feel the silence. I mean, you know, talking about, you know, character arcs and ends was when people realized that Cap wasn't coming back to that uh, platform, the time travel platform, and, uh, like, like the audience was just, like, silent. Like, you could hear a pin drop. When Cap didn't come back. And people, I mean, like, you know, Bucky kind of knew. You can kind of tell the way that him and Bucky interacted towards the end that that was going to happen. I mean, what did you think? Uh, I mean, people were talking about him dying. And they were talking, you know, the scenes in the trailer where he just looks beaten up towards that yeah. you know, last battle. And then even once you're watching the film, I mean, he's by himself. Like, before all the other Avengers show up, he's like, he straps on that shield. And he's facing down that army. And he's about, you know, he's going to do what he can. And he's, you know gonna be cap but like it's it i did not i also didn't expect this to be the way they'd wrap up his arc but yet i also found that incredibly satisfying what did you think of uh yeah uh, i think most people thought that if they were going to end chris evans role as cap that they probably would have had him as the character die or something like that so yeah it's it's um i did not expect that they were going to do it the way they did where he would you know go back and return all the infinity stones to kind of close up their rules of the time travel situation <laughs> yep. um and hopefully not create any uh or at least too many alternate realities we'll see <laughs> in the future i guess because you know stuff always happens that they didn't True. think of um but yeah he doesn't come back when he's supposed to only be gone for a couple seconds and then bucky sees this you know it almost looks like a little man, but he, he's a little old man. So a little little old man from behind looking off into the, the lake. And that's old Cap. He went back to get his dance with with Peggy and uh, lived a life that, you know, he deserved as opposed to the life that we all needed him to live to, live to, yep. save, the, to save the universe. There, there is some speculation as, well, did he when he went back so what does that mean did all these you know the whole time loop thing so if he went back and just lived with peggy and lived a real normal life then who was captain america or was he captain america and also with peggy the whole time or you know stuff like that and then he come he comes back and you know he pa he passes the torch he passes the uh, the shield off to sam to to falcon so I, ha I haven't read anything about um oh what's his name anthony mackie's you know contractor so 
Uh, well, supposedly he he and Winner, uh, he and the guy who played Bucky are supposed to have a Disney Plus TV series. Oh, that's right. It's that's supposed right, to be right. like uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon, and so that kind of adds another <laughs> dimension to that. Winter Soldier you know? and Cap in America, because yeah. you know Sam Wilson as the Falcon. Well, he for a time in the comic books, he does take on the mantle of uh, of yep. Captain America. You know, with the wings and the shield, it's it's actually kind of a cool look. Oh, cool. Um, now, one thing I, one thing I did read is that if you think about it, if Captain America went back to the right time period, the other there's still a Captain America frozen in ice somewhere, right? And so, if you think about it, if he goes back hooks up with Peggy, does his thing there, there's still that Cap Frozen Ice that can still have all those ev- adventures and still become an Avenger and still save New York and still do all that stuff. And even the even the writer, somebody asked, they're like, well, we want to see a movie that's just the life of Peggy Carter and Captain America. And I think even the writers were like, you know, because the writers who did Endgame actually wrote for Agent Carter, the TV series. And they said, well, if we wrote something for the two of them, they said, you know, I think that, Peggy Carter would still be going out and having adventures and all that and I think that Cap might be pretty comfortable just being like a stay-at-home dad or husband or whatever like <laughs> not you know just kind of chill like just kind of retire he's yeah. done enough and like let her go off on the adventures and do her thing and like and I love and again like I love mystery in movies I love that you know he he looked down at the ring and he's like you know you want to tell me about the girl and Cap just goes no I don't think I, I don't do think like I love do. it I love so it great. Again, one single line, and it's just like your imagination can run wild. It doesn't take another half an hour for him to be like, well, we did that. No, it was just he kept that to himself between him and Peggy, and it was just uh, – it was a very sweet ending, I thought, for the two of them. I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty excellent. They they might want to take a rest from doing insanely epic things. We're probably not going to get an Avengers for like at least – two years i would think even with well, the I'm, current group i don't even know what they'll do like i don't know how you could possibly top this like it's just so massive and so successful and so well done i don't i mean i think i mean it's it's almost kind of an afterthought that spider-man far from home is coming out because it's just like oh by the way a spider-man movie coming out and it's just like i don't know I don't yeah know. <laughs> well, one of the things that i did see that makes a little bit of sense is that they brought everybody back to you know the current time at the end of the movie, which was the five after the five year time jump. Um, so the scene where Peter goes back to school after Tony's funeral, like how many of those kids should look five years older than Peter? Yeah. I think somebody said, yeah, I think they were sophomores in the last film. So they should have graduated. They shouldn't be in the same school. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Tiny things like that, but it, that doesn't really detract from how amazing Oh, when he hugged his friend, like he saw his friend. Yeah. I was just like, "Oh, god damn it!" But, uh, but yeah, and all these upcoming movies. I mean, eventually we're going to get Doctor Strange two. Eventually we're going to get you know Black Panther two, and you know we'll get to see hopefully what like uh, certain people that we know didn't vanish. Um, Okoye, yep, she didn't vanish, but she was nowhere in this movie until you know yeah. the very end when oh, that scene where all the portals open and they. Oh, I love. I lost my mind when the portals open. I was like, I, I think I said to my brother, I was like, that's probably the, I don't know why, like, I don't know why that scene got me. Like there was so much emotional turmoil, but when all those portals started opening, like I, I told my brother, I was like, that's probably the closest I came to just ugly crying in a theater with a bunch of people around me, like an embarrassed schmuck. Like, I don't know what it was. There was something about like, just like 
like there was just this overwhelming like everybody's back everybody's back yeah i think i think even my wife leaned over she's like where the hell are the other avengers where's everybody else and then the portals just kicked open and then even what's his name uh even uh what was it what's his name uh dr strange's uh partner it's like oh, even whoa. he even he looked over and he's like is that or, or somebody said like is that everyone and then he was like what you want more, more? <laughs> it's yeah. just it was crazy yeah totally and when sam you know crackles in over caps you know earpiece over the radio and then he says on your left oh my god ah uh, it was just, it's just dead dead completely dead, dead. totally totally ugly what, what did i say it's like sobcast this will be our sobcast we're gonna talk yes. about <laughs> all the times we cried during this movie or almost That's cried it. and even, yeah even on my second viewing like like i said different moments almost um that whole battle scene just unbelievable the you know the three strongest event well i guess without hulk but hulk was you know injured using the gauntlet the first time That's to right, actually, yeah. bring, actually bring everybody back so yeah um and Thor, you know, obviously Thor is not. What does Tony say? You're not. You're not in good shape. You can't do this. I gotta say, I'm very happy that they didn't just suddenly magically make him thin again. Like I love that they gave him like fat Thor armor, and like he yeah. just had like the armor had a pot. Like he was still like they, his beard got a little neater, and he looked kind of a little more badass. But I just like that he was just like he was still, slovenly. And I think did you mention? Did you tell me that I guess he got fat in the comics at one point too? I think you may have mentioned that to me that he had that. That I don't recall. I don't think that oh, okay. was me. Somebody did. Do you have Somebody, other friends? That other. <laughs> I'm doing another podcast, Justin. Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> Stab me in the back. Um, it's just a, it's yeah, a podcast making fun of this one. <laughs> I mean, you know, Fat Thor is still able to to take it to Thanos for a little bit. I mean, Bo, I, you know, he has Storm, new Stormbreaker, and you know, his past. He, he gets Mjolnir back. Very cool scene before they leave the, uh, before him and Rocket leave the end of uh, their trip back in time to, I, I think the uh, the events of Dark World, right? So, um, oh god, and this the scene with his mother. Like I had when I saw uh, Renee Russo, I was like, I had no idea she was going to be in the movie. I had no idea that was going to be, and it was such a nice emotional moment like i had no idea she was going to be in it and suddenly it was this massive scene where he gets to talk to her again and she advises him and it's not and again you know a a female centric thing he doesn't talk to anthony is anthony hopkins dead at that point in the timeline i I didn't see dark world either so i don't know i can't remember i i don't not dead but maybe thought dead or missing i can't at that point in the movie i don't i don't think so though he should have been there Okay, so I mean, but it was it was still just a nice, it was a female-centric moment, it was a beautiful moment with him and his mom, knowing that she's, you know, and, and he even says in that scene, he said, this is the day my mother dies, and like, just the scene between them was just so, I mean, again, unexpected, very powerful, and, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, which is nice. Now, we, we're kind of jumping around characters a little bit, but you mentioned... You know, uh, a Hulk second ago. What do you? What did you think of Professor Hulk? <laughs> I think. I mean, <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I, it was about time that they got to something like that. I, I'm sure that's um, easier, I guess, for Mark Ruffalo. I would, I would think, to kind of just be in that one mind frame <laughs> mindset yeah. for. Well, at the beginning of the movie, he's he's just uh, you know Bruce Banner. But yeah, that that's a character that I don't know a whole lot about. But um, they needed another smart dude, and uh, <laughs> smart Hulk, Professor Hulk uh, helped him out a little bit. 
Yeah, and it was a nice balance for the fans that were complaining that uh, Hulk was missing in Infinity War, and so you had a little bit of uh, Hulk smash blended up with some, you know, some comedy, and you know, the fact that he did such a he had such a massive part in making this plan a success too. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and I, I've I've seen since the uh, since Infinity War, is that they wanted to see a rematch between Hulk and Thanos, even though Thanos kind of kind of soundly kicked his ass a little bit at the beginning of yeah. Infinity War. <laughs> um, and if I'm not mistaken, Professor Hulk is kind of a less powerful Hulk. He's got all the brains, but he has because Hulk is this you know rage monster right so he gets stronger the more angry he gets and obviously professor hulk is a little more level-headed so <laughs> strong he's yes so, but yeah I, I don't so think he could have <laughs> plus after you know snapping his fingers he was he was kind of a little yeah, bit he, out of commission even yeah, though he, he had he a looked cast like he held, at the end yeah even though for it looks like 20 minutes he held up the compound for a while so. yeah it's a good point yeah he's still it's, it was funny because when that first happened, I was like, what are the odds that they all survive this massive explosion? Then I forgot <laughs> that they had sealed up all the, you know, windows with the, uh, like, the bomb protocol or whatever. And so I, you know. Oh, that's right. Man, when when Thanos' ship came through the portal, which was already, like, shocking because it comes through and then small and then just blows through the roof while they're trying to, you know, bring everybody back so they don't even know. And then it just rains on top of oh, the yeah. compound, I was like, "Oh my god, are they just going to kill all the Avengers? Is this how this movie's going to end?" Because that was insane. No, I didn't expect that either. I was just—I mean, and it was—it was just like devastation. I did not even remotely expect that. Like the first, the first one came down like right in front of Scott, and he got blown. I'm shocked that he survived that. As yeah, well he's looking he out the window. Yeah, like immediately it seems. I don't know if that was a, a suit reaction or his reflex or something, but he got, I don't know. He was like five feet away from where one of those things came down. Yeah. That was, I mean that like, that was jarring. Like I jolted in my seat. Cause it was just like, he was looking out there and you see the birds and he's like, Hey guys, I think it worked. And all of a sudden massive explosion. You're like, ah, what, what happened? <laughs> and then there was an awesome kind of callback in the, in the, in the underneath the compound after that, when Hawkeye, finds the gauntlet and he looks back at the I think those things are called outriders or whatever those little creatures oh yeah yeah oh big creatures actually (laughs) in the uh, down the corridor that was like a throwback to aliens and I loved it like when he looks down oh and the light when yeah yes and it's red and all oh so good but really the the moment that that really got to me because I, I was hoping for it and you see you know, Mjolnir, Thor's hammer sitting there, and Thanos is already. I actually forget, even after a second viewing, he's already, you know, knocked Tony out and, you know, he's put down Thor. And then Mjolnir comes flying through and comes back and <laughs> Cap grabs it. Incredible. And I actually, you know, he's he's one of the few, and I can't remember how many comic book characters that have actually wielded Mjolnir in the comic books. Uh huh. But I wasn't expecting him to be able to summon the lightning too. That was, I mean, that was insane. Like I, I mean, like, and then like Thor looked over and he's like, "I knew it!" And it was just, and then like he's, I mean, he's he's slamming the, slamming the hammer down. You know, lightning is racking into into Thanos. And I, uh, I agree with you. That was that was another moment where, I mean, the I mean, the whole theater went bonkers. I went bonkers. I mean, it was, and then it, and like, ah, uh, everything, ah, uh, 
everything about it was just so good. It was just like, it was, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, and again, like I, I lack a lot of the, the comic history you do. So I didn't even necessarily know that until after I saw the movie and started reading more about it, that he was one of the characters that could do it and had, and I didn't, I just didn't see it coming. And suddenly it's like, you know, you saw the, the hammer go flying through and you're like, what the hell's going on? And then he catches it and just the look uh-huh. on his face. Like it's just, everything about it was just, I mean, performance wise, effects wise, and you just did, and then you just see the two of them kicking ass together, going back and forth. And then he's like, you know, you keep the little one, and he starts kicking his ass. Stormbreaker, so and it good. was just, oh, so good, so fantastic. Because I don't think, because we see Thanos um, pick up Stormbreaker at some point, so I, I don't think it's all of you know the hammers that have that sort of you know only that who's worthy can can wield it. In that moment, I, I I almost forgot that. Oh my God, Thanos picked up Stormbreaker. How is it possible? But yeah, that's, that's a different thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, so good! I can't wait till Disney Plus comes out so I can subscribe <laughs> and I can just, just watch, watch it this, over and over watch again. Infinity War Endgame for six hours a day. I keep rewatching certain parts of Infinity War. Like I keep watching. Like I don't think I've seen the whole thing all the way through, but I keep watching chunks of it and like. I'm sure I'll do the same thing with Endgame. Like, I'll watch certain parts of it. But, I mean, even just watching it as a whole, it's just... Ugh. And, that, and, like, and, we, and like, we haven't even really gotten into, like... I mean, there's, I mean, we could talk... We could probably have, like, a five-hour podcast about this. I mean, you know, you've got the... You know, the Guardians of the Galaxy elements of it. You've got, you know, yeah. the, the two nebulas. You've got that little plot twist where, again, like, I thought the movie was over. And I'm like, there's still an hour left of this movie. And then suddenly Nebula finds out what's going on. And it's just, you know, there's just... The way I mean, the, the the plotting is just so intricate. I mean, it must have taken them forever to put it together in a way that works as well as it did. And I th- I think you mentioned this when you and I were talking about doing this podcast next. Like just just the polar opposite of our last episode. Just having such <laughs> such a hard time with the last film we watched and so many plotting issues and performance issues and whatever. And then like you know moving over to this, it's just like well, it's just going to be a couple of hours of you and I talking about the things we loved about this movie because we couldn't be happier with how this movie turned out. <laughs> yeah. P- pretty big turn from uh, from Predators. It was a good part in the in Endgame when they're figuring out the time heist and how they, you know, where they're going to go back in time to go and get the stones, where, you know, when they're talking and then uh, Black Widow all of a sudden has this realizes wait if we pick the right time that there are three in New York at the right end I wonder oh, that's if right. that, yep. I wonder if that's something that when they were plotting the movie that they actually had in the writers room a scene like that like oh like, like where, where yeah. some guys like wait a minute you know at some point there's three yeah that's a, I wonder yeah. about that <laughs> and I, and when they were doing that I totally forgot that at that point in time there is no Doctor Strange yet. It totally, it totally, I didn't realize that when they go to get the time stone from, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme, that it's going to be Tilda Swinton. That's right. And she even, and she even says, she's like, right now, Dr. Stephen Strange is performing an operation five blocks from here or whatever. And I was like, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, man. Even though there's an issue with, you know, her playing the character that supposedly was an Asian eternal one and they, they got, you know, Tilda Swinton to play play this character that probably should have been an Asian it's probably actor. the most she's a the most light-skinned human on earth it's the most <laughs> whitewashing of a character in history one of them yeah absolutely I mean we, we could praise this thing and, and delve into it for for a long time but uh, let's finish with this little thing you or I'm sorry your wife had posted about taking a pee break during the movie 
And you commented that it was actually maybe a perfect time if you had to. I'm very curious about what what port, part of the movie that maybe people can miss. Well, okay, so so did did, did you have to take a pee break from the movie or no? No, no. And so, well, here's part of the thing. So I became obsessed with it because like there was articles that came out that were like. You know, initially they were talking about possibly having an intermission in the film, and they said they weren't going to. And then I started reading all these articles that are like, here's the ideal pee break places. And I usually don't have to take pee breaks during movies. But I think I got so into my head about the idea <laughs> that you have to know where the pee breaks are that I'm like, I'm going to have to pee. Like, I'm, I'm, I won't drink water for three days, but I'm, my brain is going to manufacture <laughs> it because I'm, I was just obsessed with it. And so... We actually got, I mean, not that you need the entire backstory, but we got phone, a phone call from my brother-in-law. Like, he called my wife. She silent. I mean, her phone was on silent, but she, like, muted it. And then he called me. And so I thought it was weird that he was calling both of us. And I'm like, he's calling me. And so she's like, well, it might be an emergency or something. And so she okay. walked out just to take the call. And so she's like, well, I walked out to take the call. I figure I'm already on the way out the theater. She used the bathroom, came back in, and she's like, what did I miss? And so the scene that she missed was actually the scene where Nebula is playing back all of the conversations about the plan to Thanos. And so it's literally when she's just projecting the scene of the Avengers talking about the plan. And so okay. she is, she essentially it's tough because she essentially missed a replay of something you have already seen. It's literally a recorded playback. <laughs> and so she missed nothing. However... It's hard to tell people that without spoiling a massive part of the plot that we find out that, you know, nebula, the two nebulas are crossing wires somehow and that Thanos then switches the nebulas. And so you can't really tell people go during the scene where the bad <laughs> nebula is playing back the entire Avengers plan because I think that is the ideal point to leave if you're going to leave because you're literally watching a scene you've already seen being played back for Thanos's benefit and then he's like, oh... There's apparently some kind of time trouble happening. We got to do something. And so then he can formulate a new plan. And so that's, I mean, so that's, you know, short story long. That's the scene that she went during and I think is the ideal scene. But you can't really tell anybody without spoil. I mean, because like the, the the articles I've read about taking a pee break were like, go when you see the New Jersey title card. Go when you see this okay. title card. Like it doesn't say the scene. It just says a certain, you know, so you don't know. There's like a Professor Hulk funny lunch bit with Scott. You just know right. that it's that title card and you don't know what you're going to miss. And so in this case, it's tough because there's no real way to say this is the perfect scene. I, mean, I don't know how you – I mean, I thought that was – I mean, obviously that scene is integral to the plot. But if you've got somebody sitting in the theater that can look over to you and say, you literally just missed Nebula playing back the Avengers plan for Thanos. You missed nothing except that that's what happened. That's – I mean, so that's, that's the uh, – the long answer to your very short question that's when she went and i felt that was an ideal scene <laughs> I, I can see that I, I mean you know if you gotta go you gotta go obviously but and i usually don't but this stupid movie got me all in my <laughs> head about it and suddenly i felt all seinfeldian where i was just like i wouldn't have had to go if there wasn't three weeks of build-up when are you gonna pee what's the pee break when's it gonna happen like it's just uh, to i totally got in my head about it i was a total idiot and like i said i maybe I can maybe think back to one or two movies in my life of seeing hundreds of movies over 40-something years that I've had to leave for a pee break. Never to this extent have I obsessed over it and then made myself – like I felt like a five-year-old. I was like, I'm going to go just in case there's a little. Like it's so stupid. 
But good for you for making it without one, man. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> good boy. Good boy. You've got a bladder more <laughs> powerful than mine. I, I, I just I couldn't do it. All right, that leads us into our final segment we call Reboot Wishlist. If there's any ideas for reboots or sequels that you're hankering for, Justin, what have you got this episode? I have, and I was, you know, like every show, I struggle with this, and I'm sure the more shows we do, I'm going to struggle even more, unless I get an epiphany. But I was at, um, and I told you about this, the past weekend I went to Awesome Con, which is... Uh, Washington DC's so well not so little I thought it was little but uh, Comic Con that they have there not just comics but you know a con and they had you know all these celebrities and stuff and one of the things they had was they had essentially the three main characters of weird science and you could get you know autographs from them and photo ops so I actually think since that movie although beloved in the cult classic um, that was what 85 maybe and actually yeah, also Robert Downey 80s, Jr. Yeah. is in that movie that's um, right but the young uh, Robert Downey Jr. so we'll I'll tie that in and uh <laughs> I think that's actually that that would be a, a good candidate for for a reboot a remake because obviously the effects and stuff would be better but um oh yeah but they could t- they could take it in a, a totally different way they could even you know gender switch it or hell they could just Gender, gender switch the uh, who they bring to life it could be you know a couple guys bringing a guy to life or you know they could take a whole different way not just you know trying to create the, the perfect girl in uh, which Kelly LeBrock kind of was at the time and uh, yeah she was <laughs> but uh, I think that would be fun I think enough time has passed and that wasn't like a, you know immensely successful at the box office I don't think so I'm I enjoyed it. I, I I like that. It was it was a good movie. It was one of those like mid '80s teen sex romp movies that I enjoyed growing up, having watched it far too young, earlier than <laughs> I should have. But uh, but yeah, I think I think it's I think it's one of those movies. There's actually a uh, a podcast I was on called the Clink Tank, and they do like uh they have different segments. And one of the segments they did they did was like uh, they would watch old movies and see how well it held up, whether it's you know special okay. effects or whether it's you know uh, just like general, I mean, everything from like sexism to racism to things, you know, like, you know, how, you know, could you make like the breakfast club today? Could you make, you know, that sort of things just to see how like the humor holds up and stuff. And the episode I guested on was weird science. And that was actually one of the things they cool. talked about. Like if they, um, you know, so you kind of hit the nail on the head, like, you know, could you change it for a 2019 audience? Like, could it be, you know, guys creating the perfect guys or women creating a perfect guy or, you know, any mix of things. I, I, I definitely think that's a, a good one to look for or look at uh, for a possible reboot. I would uh, I'd go see that. <laughs> well, thank you. I decided to go towards a sequel for this episode. Um, you, you always do such a good job. <laughs> even even the most tenuous connection to the episode, like for the Oscar episode, you had a great one for uh, Predators. You had a great uh I never get to tie anything in logically. I just um, bounce around like a moron. This time you got RDJ in there. Um, but uh, I was actually thinking about uh, John Cusack. I saw that he had done a movie recently and he looked a little 
older, a little more grizzled, a little more weathered. And I, I thought it would be interesting to revisit Gross Point Blank, his, uh, his character from that, and see nice. what, uh, what's happening years. I mean, I got, there, there seems to be this interesting trend of like revisiting old characters, whether it's you know Star Wars looking at old Han Solo and old uh, Lando Calrissian and all them and like you know seeing what they're doing years later like I mean the fact that you've got a movie that was you know it, uh, one of my favorites you know you still got all the actors around you've still got uh, the creative team I think is is around so I mean yeah I think it'd be cool to kind of see what his character is doing years on you know if he's still with his uh his high school squeeze and all that sort of thing and what um you know if something could drag him back into the life i mean i don't know i don't know or if he stayed in that life the whole time and he's just uh still a hitman and and she's just uh, maybe he maybe she doesn't know it's kind of like that person who's a smoker and doesn't tell their spouse maybe he's off being a hitman and not telling his wife i don't know i don't know i think it'd be interesting so I'd, i'd love to see a sequel to uh gross point blank very cool i would absolutely be on board with that when you said John Cusack, and then a sequel. I, I was actually hoping you were going to go for that one. So, excellent. Oh, good. <laughs> that, that was that was the first thing that popped up in my mind. I was like, oh, he's going to say Gross Point Blank. Please. <laughs> Don't say Better Off Dead. It's a perfect film. Beginning and end. <laughs> All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of Movies Never Say Die. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We'd also love it if you'd uh, take a moment and leave us a review on your uh preferred podcasting app wherever you listen to us on um it helps us reach new listeners and uh of course if you want to get in touch with us for any reason we'd love to get some feedback and uh even if you want to make a suggestion for movies that we uh do for the reboot wish lists reboot sequels franchises for us to look at um we'd love to see that too so you can email us at movies never say die at gmail.com you can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Movies Never Say Die. And always please hit us up on Twitter at Movies NVR Say Die. I'm Justin St. Ange. And I'm Matthew Grant. Thanks for downloading. I mean, if you see a cool looking guy, strike up a conversation and ask him on a mandate. A what? A mandate. Okay. You know what I mean? No. By that, I mean casual lunch or after work drinks, okay? No dinner and no movies. You're not taking these boys to see The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, God, I love that movie. I'm Batman. I freeze. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I never had to say I'm Batman. I showed up. People knew I was Batman. You like movies? Hundreds of movies. 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 Never say die!